Hello and welcome to the Leading the Line podcast. Chris here. I hope you are keeping safe and staying well. And we are back. We are back with a bang. It is the two of us, the two amigos, dos hombres, some other things. Um, yeah, we are back. Sorry, Campbell. Um, we are back to kind of talk about some football. Um, the SWPL Cup has been running these last few months, a uh, few weeks. And we are going to do a bit of a, a deep dive review on, well, not necessarily a deep dive review. I think that'd be difficult to do, but a review of the SWPL Cup over the last couple of weeks. Um, and as I've already mentioned, joining me to do that is my good friend, uh, Mr. Campbell Phillips. And Campbell, how are you doing? Hi, not too bad, Chris. All things considered. How are you? I'm good, mate. I mean, I've got both my arms are functioning as well, which is uh, a bonus. Uh, I don't know <laughs> the one arm band at the other end of the line today. But yeah, we uh, we are going to have a look at the, the the results of the SWPL Cup group stages, have a wee chat about the draw. And then we've got a bit of a preview for the Champions League uh, game between Servette and Glasgow City that is happening on Wednesday night. Um, I spoke to Grant Scott and Nee Farrelly, so we're going to slot that in there as well, and then we'll wrap it up. And then later in the week, we're going to have an SWPL preview. Um, we haven't quite decided exactly how that's going to look yet, but we will touch on all 17 sides somehow, um, and we'll, we'll cross that bridge when it comes to it. But, Campbell, first of all, the women's season is back. Good times. And I think before we talk about the games in particular, it's good to have some punters on the ground. Uh, it makes a change. Um, it's obviously been that spell of every game you watch behind closed doors wasn't quite the same so to have people back in even if it's just making a little bit of noise um, it makes a difference and yesterday was the first women's game I've been there actually in a long time that's had anyone there so it was it was quite a noise actually when Commander scored which was good to hear so aye pleased to have folk back Yeah absolutely and I think obviously towards the, the back end of last season there was kind of some fans in and you could argue that fans were fans were already back when the season started, but I think this felt different. It felt like the fans were a bit more in control in terms of how they, they could get to the games and how they, they were advertised and getting access to them. So, yeah, great stuff. Fans were back. Lots of cheering, lots of goals, lots of shouting. So let's get into the group stages. Group A, start with the Group A, which was Aberdeen, Borromeo Thistle, Motherwell, Queen's Park and Rangers. Um, so there's two groups of five and two groups of four because of Champions League involvement from Glasgow City and Celtic, which we'll, which we'll touch on later on. But um, Group A, um, Rangers-Aberdeen come out as a top two in that group. Campbell, I think I think if we were asking to pick kind of the teams that we expected to come out of that, it would have been a toss-up by Rangers and then maybe one of Aberdeen and Motherwell on that. That win, the win for Aberdeen up, up at uh, Balmoral is, is probably the deciding factor in that, looking at the final group table. Yep, um, I mean, Rangers were also clear favourites and you saw they won that group pretty comfortably with plus 20 goal difference as well. So they were certainly the team on top and then Aberdeen and Motherwell was always going to be the one, as you said, to, to kind of decide who would come through in second. And obviously Aberdeen getting a win at their new home. Now you could see them in a proper stadium um, up north there. One will hopefully get to at some point this season. So aye, it's probably deserved for them as well. Motherwell kind of made hard work of their games, it seemed. But again, I've, I've seemed to have improved from the side we saw last season. So um Aberdeen, obviously, just doing enough there, but certainly improvements in both sets of teams there, and, and even Queen's Park and Boromir were, were always a good challenge for all the sides in their group. No, absolutely. Um, I um, went to a couple of games in this group, um, and I think maybe my standout game of the, the group stages, in terms of ones I, ones I was at, was um, the, the Rangers-Aberdeen game uh, last week. Um, Rangers win 5-2, but um, it stood out for lots of reasons. Um, there was a good crowd in um, at the, the Rangers training centre, it was a good game. Two teams properly decked out. I think I tweeted this out at the time. Properly decked out in, in full kits with names in the back of it, looking the part on a pitch. I mean, the Rangers training centre pitch is immaculate. Um, as as obviously there's a lot of artificial pitches in in women's football, um, but that to have an immaculate grass surface like that is um, is a great to see. And it was a good contest, Aberdeen more than kind of stepped up to the challenge in the first half. Really put a bit of pressure on Rangers and kind of laying them on the front foot, but. Rangers quality kind of took took hold in that 15 minutes just after half time. He's got gold really quickly in 1-5-2. But I was I thought it was a fantastic advert for uh, for women's football. And I know that a lot of people that were at that game, both Rangers and Aberdeen fans, there was a good a good number from Aberdeen. Um really enjoyed it as well. So I, I was certainly one of the, the highlights from that. Nothing really too shocking though in that group. You mentioned obviously um Queen's Park and Mother running um Queen's Park and Barrymore Thistle running sides close as well. And I thought the Queen's Park performance against Motherwell on the Sunday just passed, obviously losing 3-2, but they, they've also picked up a win. They've got a new, new man in charge in, in Barry Rogers as well. And it, I think it's heartening to see that 
and maybe we'll, we'll touch on it a little bit further down the group stages, but certainly for, for Queen's Park and Birmingham Thistle, two teams that will be not necessarily considered amongst favourites for the SWPL2 to come into what is a really tough group for both of the sides and to come out with it not feeling bedraggled or beaten, I think will be really positive for both of the sides going into the SWPL2 season. I, mean, I think beforehand they would have known, obviously Rangers were big favourites for it and just said the other two were likely going to be ahead of them, so it was just a case of home on later on, I'm sure, about teams treating it as pre-season, but these sides probably could. And obviously, Burnham last year, you saw um, sort of glimpses of them kind of being a team that could cause sides bother. Unfortunately, obviously, they've lost some of their better players, but you saw in this group they were running teams close. And Queen's Park, saw them a couple of times towards the end of last season, and they, they didn't really have much of a squad, and you did sort of worry where things were going. But um, actually, Barry Hodge just came in. He was That's the very first coach I had when I played football um, when I was a sort of younger boy as well. So I know that he could be was one of my favourite ones back then and it certainly clearly made a big difference as well for Queen's Park so far. So it's good that they've got these positive signs they've got a full squad in. Obviously, they've updated everyone on that this week as well, which is something that we like to see. So we know who's playing for them and we know that some of these players have, have obviously done um, done very well at a higher level as well. So I think Queen's Park will, will do well this season. Obviously, we've seen glimpses of that against, against higher opposition um, in the League Cup. Yeah, absolutely. And... As I said at the start, we are going to do a proper SWPL preview uh, later this week. But yeah, so Group A, Rangers and Aberdeen through to the quarterfinals. Uh, moving into Group B, the first of two groups that were, got a little bit messy. Um, I think we've, we probably need to talk about Forfar Farmington because um, we haven't done a podcast since um, in relation to Forfar Farmington, who had to withdraw from the the SWPL this season, um, they are still continuing as uh, as a youth side, so they are under-19s, under-16s, all their national performance teams are still going out and playing games. You can see the updates going out. It's it's really sad. Um, Campbell, I know that uh, I was on holiday at the time when it happened. Um, it kind of felt like it maybe had been coming for a couple of weeks by that point. And it, it kind of knocked me, even, even seeing the news that it actually finally happened, kind of knocked me a little bit because obviously there's a lot of people involved in Farfa Farmington. Farfa Farmington have had a really significant impact in women's football. The likes of Abby Grant, Rachel Boyle have all kind of dabbled with them at some point in their careers as well. And uh, yeah, it was, even though we kind of suspected that it might have been an announcement that was coming, it's still really sad to see them kind of drop out of the, the SWPL. As obviously you mentioned there, that it's been one of the early pace setters when women's football was starting to grow, and obviously some of the players at the bigger teams now have played there themselves as well. And then um, you know, look at last season where they started the season so well uh, under Ryan McConville, and obviously once he left the game with Kevin McGreskin, they were doing pretty decent, but they were beginning to lose players, obviously with so many breaks last year with COVID as well. And it's eventually kind of come back to bite them, and they've just nobody able to keep things going. I was at the, the last game, if you will, against the, the United, where it was 10 0 going on 30 that day. It was kind of one you were expecting. Um, and it wasn't great to see. It was a lot of players that had just kind of been thrown together, had played youth games that morning, and were then going to play against a United side that's the favourites for SWPL2. So it was, it was never going to be easy. Um, you see the likes of obviously Eddie Willicky Black was the manager at the time, and Suzanne Mulvey there as well. Players that have people that have got experience already um, at a high level, but just simply weren't able to, to change anything. And unfortunately, for have kind of have went away that no one wants to see them go, but it happened and it's, it's just something that we're going to have to deal with for now. But hopefully they'll come back in um, some form from the youth teams, obviously, as you say, at the moment. But hopefully that will kind of grow and they'll get a first team back in the coming years. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's great that they are going to continue producing that pathway for, for teams in Angus because, as you mentioned already, they were and have been one of the forerunners of the winning women's game in, in Scotland. It has been tough for them these last couple of seasons. They have dabbled with relegation. As you mentioned, they actually had a, a very good run up until the middle of the last season. And then the, the global situation started to have an effect and they went on that, that really tough run towards the back end of the season. But Hutchison Vale, I mean, they, they had to take a step away from the SWPL for a while and they are now back playing football. So um, black being football at a performance level. Um, and it'd be good to see for Farmington to make a return at some point. But yeah, we wish them all the best. Um, I I know that Station Park and a Bride is still something that I think everybody will uh, definitely be, be hankering after. And I won't get into the debate about which Brides are best. But yeah, best luck to everybody involved in that team because there's obviously been a number of people involved. I think it was uh, Amy McDonald, the, the Rangers uh, women and girls manager, put a kind of thread, kind of giving a bit of backstory for people that didn't know about it, and I, I would suggest you go and find that. Um, it was a really worthwhile read if you if you are looking for a little bit more information. But yeah, with Farmington pulling out, it meant that the 
that tenor result which you mentioned um that was expunged so it, it wasn't counted in the final standings and the, the the league went from a five to a four in group b um which met which included dundee united Tiburnian, Kilmarnock, and sterling university going to break this up a little bit i think um sterling university i think found it very tough and um, three very heavy defeats for them and i think they'll be looking to the swpl two season to kind of as a as a proper kickstart to their campaign but i mean Hibernian, very impressive, uh, Campbell. You don't score 10 goals twice and win another game 4-0 without having a really impressive campaign, even if they were also playing against sides from a, a division below, which would be the only only SWPL one side to, to do so. But you, you, it's really hard to... You can't you can't criticise 10 nils and 10, 10 to victories. No, you can't. I mean, we've seen improvements for Hibs, obviously. We're, we're always going about the players they've lost in the last few seasons, but last year we're kind of a younger team. They've, um, they were sort of able to, to build that and they have done again this season, but those players are still there and they've brought in some additions. Obviously, the three Americans um, in particular have made a big difference in Michaela McAloney as well for Spartan. To see that they do have a really good side there, Hibs, and I have to imagine that they'll be, they'll be looking to challenge um, the top three this season and get back into where they have been in previous years, even ahead of Spartan. So, um, like you say, it's lower league opposition, but still teams that would provide them with a tough test and take them out and score 24 goals, as you say, is something that you can't, you can't really sniff at that, can you? So um, it's it's very good from Hibs and comfortable for them. And I think they'll be they'll do well in the league this season. That we'll, we'll get to that chat on Thursday, obviously. But um, it certainly was impressive. And games you expect them to win, but maybe score lanes that we didn't see coming. So Hibs have got a lot to be positive about and I'm quite interested to see interested to see how, how they got on in the league this season. Yeah, absolutely. That that you've mentioned the kind of three American signings, that blend of new signings and some of the players that I think stood out. I mean, Alex Akoyle and Gallica, five goals apiece in the in the group stages is a, a great return. As you say, you can't cannot argue with that volume of goals. So I think a really positive start to the season for them. And as as we've talked about, we'll go into it a little bit further in the league uh, league preview uh, later on this week. But it did mean that the second place was up for grabs with Dundee United and Kilmarnock, both uh, registering victories over Southern University. Um, you were at this game on, on Sunday, Campbell. I know we weren't going to talk about it too much, but it was key in terms of who would uh, qualify from the group. Um, and it's from, from, your, from your messages when you were at the game, it sounded like it was everything you kind of want from a, a game where there's a bit of stakes and two sides kind of keen to kind of go for it. It was a game where... Can I... United and Kilmarnock we'd looked at and I've said they're probably going to be the two teams to beat in SWPL2 this season so it was going to be an entertaining game and it was simply I mean I'd seen United obviously against Forfan it was kind of one but you couldn't judge much so coming into this I was interested to see what would happen because obviously um, both sides were, were hitting a bit of form towards the end of the season as well so you wanted an exciting game and we got that obviously United going 2-0 up and we're pretty comfortable in the first half. Mr. Penalty, Danny McGinley, I think the shot's still rising. Um, but United could and probably should have been out of sight there, but Kilmarnock themselves had chances. I mean, they had a great one through Lauren side just before United made it 2-0, but look, I think United, it was almost if they thought, right, we've won this here, Kelly, it's that second half. I mean, credit to Andy and Michael, who made two changes, both players have come on um, and made a big difference. And then Lauren Hill scored... Laura McLaughlin, sorry, I've had this debate on Twitter already. Laura McLaughlin scored a great goal that was it was deflected, but it's, it's still a fantastic strike right in the top corner. And then Shelley Campbell as well. Another one, and suddenly Kilmarnock level, and then the Jade McLaren red card turns the game. You're thinking, hang on a minute here, this is it's going to turn. But United, to their credit, can climb back out again. Triple change from Graham Hart. Um, and it made a big difference as well. Two more goals from United there, and they went on comfortably to be the only SWPL2 side through. And they, and the quarterfinals as well. So they deserve a lot of credit, but it was a very entertaining game uh, down in Ayrshire yesterday. And there was a decent number of fans in, in the office stand behind the goal as well. So all in all, an exciting game. And United, probably just overall, I think we're definitely the team that deserve to win that. And good luck to them in the next round as well. Yeah, so um, finished 4 2. I don't think Max mentioned the score when we were talking about that there. But yeah, finished 4 2 to Dundee United. So that puts them, uh, puts them to the second place um, behind Hibs and into the quarterfinals. Um, let's go into Group C, um, which on reflection was maybe the, uh, the I think Group C indeed by the by the fact that there's only four teams in them were a little bit tougher because there's more teams in SWPL one now than there is in SWPL two, so there was a bit more weighted towards SWPL one in that respect. Um, Glasgow City, Glasgow Women, Hamilton, Ackies, and Spartans. Um, Glasgow City three wins out of three. Uh, 
looked very good. I was at the opening game of the season um, at Newtintle Park when it's possibly the wettest I think I've ever been at a game of football. Um, the game was so wet that the halftime, I think, lasted for 25 minutes and opened the stop a little bit. I did a wee bit, but yeah, I felt I really felt for the players and for any anybody there watching that didn't go into Asda beforehand and buy a £7 umbrella. So uh, yeah, it was a good one. But I mean, Glasgow City, um, I think Glasgow City were expected to go through even in that that kind of situation where they were obviously juggling that in the Champions League, but Glasgow City threw a top spot and then it boiled down to Spartans and Hamilton Ackies. Um Spartans uh, and Ackies drew two each in their open game, a really competitive game. So Ackies new to SWPL1 uh, and they both registered the victory against Glasgow women, but it'd be Spartans that would go through. I managed to see about 25 minutes with Glasgow women against Spartans on Sunday um, as I was going through to, to watch some Championship Cup games. Um, and I think that the headline for me, I mean, we'll talk about Glasgow City a little bit later on anyway, but I think the headline for me is Becky Elbraith uh, Campbell. Um, she scored 10 goals last season in the SWPL1. Um, top goal scorer in the SWPL group stages. Six six goals in three games, a hat-trick on, on Sunday against Glasgow women. And I'm, I'm really excited to see how Becky does this season because it feels like she has been getting better and better over this last 12 to 18 months. I mean, um, Spartans played Glasgow women um, last an SWPL Cup that was really just a cup that never been going obviously but scored a hat against them I think that day as well again when it was pouring with rain up at Peters Hill and did kick on and was obviously impressive for Spartans during the season and again as you're saying six goals in three games it says it all it says it all sorry right away so um, Spartans have got quite a, a young team we're saying but they're always obviously getting that a bit older now where they've been playing together for years and they've been I mean, in Becky as you see up front they've got that kind of spearhead striker that can hold the ball up, but also, as you can see, you can clearly put it in the net as well. So she's a player that will certainly do well for Spartans and is one that I don't think they'll look to her only. Obviously, they've got plenty of other good players in the team there, but with some of the departures, obviously, Michaela Macaloni is a, is a big one there, certainly. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how they go on for there, but I think you know, Becky Galbraith is certainly a player that it could be one of Spartans' um, sorry, main, main focuses this season. Yeah, I mean, it felt like, especially after that that game where Aki's and Spartans drew it, be felt like it very much a case of whether they could get a victory over Glasgow women and whether they could kind of notch an upset against Glasgow City. They both managed to get a victory and both didn't quite manage an upset. The Spartans have managed to keep it a little bit tighter. For Aki's, it'll be a good sighter for them in terms of the, the new season, obviously playing against two SWPL1 sides, one of which they'd be hoping to get closer to than realistically the other, I would imagine. But um, yeah, we are... Uh, Interesting to see how that one goes. But uh, yeah, that's Group C, Glasgow City through the top spot. Uh, and then finally into Group D, which was Celtic Hearts, Partick Crystal and St. Johnson. Bit, a bit of a mess, this one. Um, so opening weekend, both both games were awarded as walkovers um, for the two sides in question. So St. Johnson were awarded the victory against Hearts and Celtic, uh, the victory against Partick Thistle. Both games were played, but both... Um, Hearts and Bartlett Thistle had fielded players that weren't registered for the tournament. So to walk over 3 0 wins were, were there. And then after that, Celtic 2 0 victory over Hearts um, and Bartlett Thistle picking up a, a 4 0 victory away to St. Johnson. And then we had the last set of games where um, Celtic were, and this is through no fault of Celtic's own at all, uh, St. Johnson were unable to field a side through injury. So we're awarded their second 3 0 win. So the Celtic qualified maximum points. Um, Technically, they only had to win one game to do it, but they they had obviously they had obviously beaten Partick Thistle already anyway, uh, and they would have been strong favourites against St Johnson to do the same as well. And it would be down to Hearts and Partick Thistle arriving to qualify for the next spot. Finish with finish nil nil. Um, you've always I think you've always maybe first game in charge was definitely at arriving for that one. Um, means that Partick Thistle finished second, but it's not great to have a group with so many games that the results at the end of the day weren't decided on the park. Um, I mean, no, no, it's not. I think Celtic would have been favourites to win the games, obviously. And you saw the beat Thistle just saying, I know they were then given that win, but well, you thought John they'd done well to win it in the first place, and they would have been the favourites for it. So it's not great to see them given the wins, but I think you probably would have expected those results regardless anyway. I mean, Patrick Thistle have, with a fourth situation have now been put up to SWPL1, so for them, it's going to be a focus of getting more players in to kind of to focus on that challenge, but. They had tough games here against sides that have, have caused them problems in the league before and against teams that they're going to be looking to, to challenge with in SWPL1 this season. So it was an interesting one. Um, 
themselves in hearts to see a nil-nil draw yesterday. You don't get many nil-nils in the women's game in Scotland, so it's, it shows that there's certainly a closer level than there has been before. Um, St Johnston, obviously, I'm sure you'll touch on your thoughts on them in a minute, but it was a group where it ended up how you'd expect, even if it kind of went a strange way of there wasn't many games played in it. I don't think Celtic will be complaining too much, especially after obviously playing Champions League as well and their travels and things. They'd have been happy to, to maybe miss out on a couple of games, but the two sides that you probably would have picked out to be the top two in that group ended up being the top two, even if it was kind of through default almost. But it's, it's not great, as you say, when you're, you're trying to start this new cup that for a second year now just seems to be cursed because nothing ever seems to go the way it wants to. But Celtic Thistle are through, and at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Yeah, it's felt. I think I use the term snake bitten. It's felt a little snake bitten. Obviously, the last the last time with not only the the arrival of the pandemic, but also we had the mad storms that caused havoc with all the games in the the early stages. And obviously, there's been some things that have happened in this comp- this part of the competition as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I know that there's been. Um, I know that was a couple of bit kind of teach bit about the, the injury problems at St Johnston as well. But you really want to see all these games getting played. Hopefully, everybody is safe and well and looking after themselves as well. But yeah, um, aye, hopefully this is like the beta version of it. What, Celtic and Patrick Thistle through at the quarterfinals. Um, quarterfinal draw, we'll talk about in a wee second. What has been your assessment of the SWPL Cup? And this this, this is the first time we've got through to the, the end of the group stages on it. Um, there has been some chat about... Teams using it as pre-season, which for me doesn't feel right because the season has started. I can understand that there's obviously some challenges for some of the teams in terms of the levels that they are competing at um, and the differences in resources and players available and things like that as well. What's What's been your take on it? Because I feel like when it's gone right, as I mentioned with the Rangers-Aberdeen game, I think as well you mentioned Dundee Kamarnock and the fact that you've got a hearts part thistle game that has been close and competitive. Hamilton Aki's drawing with Spartans as well. And... When it's gone right, it feels like it's it's doing doing the job it's meant to do, which is to kind of build into the the league season. But it still feels a little bit lacking in oomph. It doesn't like I my my argument on it is the season started with game one of the SWPL Cup, but there seems to be a, a train of thought that the season starts this coming Sunday. And if that's the case, what is what is what is this competition here to do? I think it works better than it did when it was the seeded format before because that ended yeah, up just being no, stupid. Absolutely. Where it was just the SWPL1 teams were always going through with comfortable wins. Um, so the format's different, but it ends up as if they followed the Betfred Cup where you're starting things kind of early on and teams are still treating this pre-season because it's starting far too early. If it had maybe been later on in the season, say that the group stage were done sort of mid-September, start of October, something like that, then it, it could work maybe a wee bit better. But... The two years it's tried to run, it's had so many complications, obviously, with the weather and then with COVID as well. We've not had a full, proper run at it, so it's kind of hard to judge it. For me personally, I would just like to see it be a, just a kind of free-for-all draw where just all the teams are put in and it's just anyone can play anyone and just see where it goes for there because it, it gives some teams maybe more of a chance to go through it in different stages. Obviously, you've seen again here, it's, it's different to the seeded version that it was before, but... Still of the eight quarterfinals, seven of them are from the top flight, top flight anyway, with the exception of Southern United. So there's the idea there that it can work, but there's just there's so much more that could be done for it. And I personally think it's, it's something that I, I wouldn't go with again. I mean, I, I don't like it in the men's game, I don't like it kind of in the women's game either. I think you're just better off just kind of have that free from give it the the work of the draw really and see who you get for the end. It, it could throw up some earlier um, entertaining ties earlier on in different rounds as well. So it's I like the idea, but as you see, I just think there's there's just something missing that doesn't quite put it to, to the level that we want it to be. Yeah, maybe it needs it needs a bit of concentrated hype, I think, at the moment, and that's maybe maybe slightly what's what's missing from it just now. Um I like the idea of it not being seeded and obviously the quarterfinal draw wasn't wasn't seeded, which was a which is a good good innovation. It's obviously landed to some some good ties. But uh, yeah, in terms of the group stages, I like the concept. I, I know that it's designed to get more games played between sides, but perhaps those games, there must be a way to make those games not less... Because for me, watch, watching the groups be drawn, you could kind of map your way out of who's going to come out of those groups and it's kind of come to pass. But 
it's a new competition. It's not a new competition. It's a revamped competition. And as you quite rightly point out, we haven't been able to really see it run clear and true. And maybe when we see it run clear and true, it'll make everything a lot better. Uh, but yeah, as it is, it's still one of the three major trophies in Scottish women's football. And we have now got to the quarterfinal stages, which has obviously brought out some ties. And as you mentioned, the, the ties aren't seated. The draw was made. Uh, on Monday morning, and I think we've got some pretty pretty interesting ties. We've got Aberdeen against Hibs. Uh, Dundee United are playing Spartans, with the only SWPL two side left. Dundee United at home to Spartans. Glasgow City against Partick Thistle in the Battle of PZ Park, and uh, an old firm game, Rangers against Celtic. Um, I'll tell you what, we, we maybe one, maybe we maybe not mad on season, but I think this draw evidence why having a bit of a free for all can can be good because. You've got some games there that will have people interested from this stage, and that will then bleed into the rest of the tournament for going towards the final. And it's kept Glasgow City and Hibs apart, who always seem to play off the final of this tournament. So, um, but no, it, it's certainly better. I think we had the, the conversation earlier on where you'd said that we see didn't want some reaction was kind of that's a bit stupid when there's only eight teams anyway. But some of the ties up for up really interesting. Obviously, Rangers and Celtic last year were the two that were trying to challenge City for the title, both got close, but in the end. City were just simply too good, especially after the signings that they brought in. So those two facing off again, both have an improved way internationalists coming in as well from, from all over the world. Obviously, Celtic have brought in people from Iceland and, and China, amongst others. So it's, it's a really intriguing game and it's one that I've kind of got my eye on there. Um, Hibs Aberdeen, they're two teams that you particularly have picked out, obviously, in, in recent weeks where it's kind of been interesting to see. I wonder how they would get on when they face off against each other. Aberdeen were, were comfortable in SWPL two last season, and I, you don't really see them having too much too much trouble in their step up. Whereas Hibs, obviously, whereas they've been playing against teams um, in lower divisions, they're still improving. Obviously, from from what they were um, this time last year, so it's quite an interesting tie there as well. And then the other two, as you say, City, I've got to be big favourites to beat Partick Thistle, but as it's the cup where it's going anything can happen. It's best, obviously. It's a home and away game for both. Uh, then obviously, as you say, then United Spartans as well. United have done well to get, but they are they're a team that's got the ambition to go into SWPL1. So you've got to think that they'll be looking at this game as a chance to, t- to challenge themselves against the team in Spartans that we always pick out as sort of being the benchmark that sides below them in the league are going to want to look up to to try and, uh, try and emulate. So it's an exciting draw and it's one that should throw up four very entertaining ties and we'll see where it goes from there. But it's one that, Every team will have think we've got a good chance of getting to the next round then. No, absolutely. Um, I think it is it's four very intriguing ties. The games are to be played on October 31st, which is a Sunday, and is also Halloween if you're into that kind of thing. So who knows? Maybe they'll all turn out in fancy dress and we'll get some kind of Halloween themed uh, event. Probably not, but there you go. Um, but yeah, so that's SWPL Cup Roundup. Um, we'll also touch back on it later in the season when the games kind of come, come to life. But we're going to transition from the SWPL Cup to the Champions League, um, because the as we mentioned earlier on, both Celtic and Glasgow City were involved in Champions League games um, during the during the SWPL Cup. Um, one team have been knocked out, understandably, given the draw that they, they were handed, while another is in action this week and Wednesday night. Let's start with Celtic, first of all, Campbell. Um, they obviously had to go through the, the, the league path where they were facing against teams who finished second or third in the, some of the the biggest leagues in Europe, and they, they got handed a bit of a doozy in facing Levante um, and having to travel to Rosenberg to play their game. But I thought they put up a, a very good fight in their, their 2-1 defeat. Um, they started a little bit slowly, kind of let, they played a super high line, like <laughs> one of the highest lines I've ever seen, which Levante kind of exploited, and eventually they'd get a goal from. But after Levante tuned it, went 2-0 up, Fran Alonso changed it a little bit put Celtic on the front foot and then they got a kind of freak goal through Caitlin Hayes' free kick that kind of bounced over the, the goalkeeper's head. And I thought Celtic put up a, a really good showing for what was obviously the first time a team other than Glasgow City or Hibs have been in the, the Women's Champions League um, from Scotland. They, they lost their third place, third place playoff 3-2 to, to FC Minsk from Belarus. But again, uh, another competitive showing in FC Minsk are one of the, the names that have been on the Women's uh, Champions League circuit for a while now as well. So... Um, obviously disappointing for them to get two defeats, but I thought it was two two good performances they put in um, in, in that kind of group phase. Uh, it was. I mean, we knew right away with the new format it was going to be tougher for teams from Scotland and obviously other countries, but for the Scottish teams in particular, it was going to be hard to try and get through to 
to another stage of the Champions League and when you see who Celtic got straight away from it's, it's not a great draw Levante obviously um, and Spain had been the team that had kind of split that Barcelona Atletico Madrid sort of kind of duo at the top and I know Atletico fell down quite quite considerable last season but Levante had a very good year themselves and were never going to be easy for Celtic but to lose out only by the one goal as you say they are to a side that are, that are playing at a higher level than Celtic are they certainly played to be proud of in that game and Again, just saying that again, against Minsk are a team that we're seeing at these sort of levels of the Champions League every season. Um, and they'd obviously lost out to the Rosenberg, who were the hosts at that stage. So it's it wasn't easy for Celtic. But again, as you say, both games, they've went out. They've managed to score three goals across the two of them there. And they've only just lost out, kind of obviously by the odd goal, to two very, very good sides. So there's plenty to be positive about for them there. As we've said, they've then got through the League Cup without having to really do anything. But in the Champions League, there's definitely positives for them there. I mean, I'm excited to see Celtic this season because obviously they did run City very close last year after their kind of sloppy start. They went in that fantastic run towards the end of the season. So it's they're a team that I'm quite excited to see. And obviously, we've said we mentioned them in all these different tournaments they're playing in, but they were unlucky in the Champions League and I think they'll do well um, elsewhere this season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, I think it'll be, uh, obviously they've had some changes in personnel, both in and out, which we'll, we'll, we'll cover kind of towards the end of the week. But yeah, I think they can be, uh, I'm always reluctant to be somebody who says, well done in defeat, because I think it's something that gets overplayed a little bit in women's football. But I think in this instance, uh, it holds water. And I think um, the performance they put against Levant is, is certainly very commendable and it'll be something that they'll obviously to use a bit of a cliche, have the taste for and want to experience again and all the kind of usual stuff you hear in a, a post-match after, after a game. But um, yeah, Celtic may, may be out, but Glasgow City, um, who are in their umpteenth consecutive Champions League campaign now, um, they are still in the tournament. They are obviously on the Champions path, uh, playing against Champions of other leagues. In the group stages, they defeated uh, Burka Kara from Malta 3-0. Um, I was at that game, 10 a.m. kickoff on a Wednesday and, and sunny, sunny Cumbernauld is a... Uh, the stuff of uh, annual leave dreams, I tell you. I tell you, it was uh, good times. But yeah, very comfortable in that one. First half performance where they, they kind of got the job done in the second half where I think we all could have just gone home, if, I, if I'm being totally honest. Um, they then went on to face uh, BAK Shimkin, the artist formerly known as Kazigurt, in the final who had defeated Slovan Bratislava 4-0 um, on Saturday night. A 1-0 win, uh, Priscilla Chinchia making the difference, capitalising a bit of an error from from the Shimken defence, um, and that's led us to them drawing against Servette, who um, it could have been better, could have been worse when you looked at some of the teams they could have drawn. Obviously, City could have been paired with the likes of Benfica, for example, but at the same time, they could have had to travel to Ukraine or to Albania. So I think it's a very competitive tie they got, but it's it's good to see that City have uh, continued their, their good runs in, in Europe because... As, uh, as everybody know, everybody loves a coefficient these days in Scottish football and the coefficient in women's football has been held up by Glasgow City for a long time and a, a, another deep run for them where they're now just two games away from the Champions League, which is the land of milk and honey this year in, uh, in women's football, um, is, a, is a really good thing to see. It is, I mean, obviously at the time we could have picked out the draw and thought it's, it's pretty favourable, like as you say, it could have been a lot worse um, in the earlier rounds and obviously Servetta, another good side obviously, been in the Champions path, as we've said, but City will be, they'll be pretty happy with it. Obviously, the second leg at home for them as well. Another stupid kick-off on a Wednesday afternoon, but um, ah, they'll be pretty happy with it. I think they've, as you say, 3-0 up in the first game, they kind of were able to take their foot off the gas there, whereas in the second one, they've had to work for it, but again, they've managed to come out on top and they're keeping clean sheets there. It's been a strange season, pre-season for them, with, with Scott Booth um, obviously going away to Birmingham, but Grant Scott's been there before. He knows... The players that were there, and obviously they've got, I've had a few retire, Leanne Crank going to Motherwell, things like that. But the players they've brought in, just like they did, um, sort of halfway through last season, are players that already you can see are going to improve their side massively. And we've got players that have played them um, all across Europe and the world. Actually, so they're used to different styles of football as well, and I think that will help them in the Champions League. Um, so it's, it'll be interesting to see how they get on, obviously, later this week. But if they can get a favourable result in Switzerland, then you fancy decided to get back to into the Champions League proper this season. And it's it's obviously it's a carrot for them. And it's, it's where you'd hope they could be and where you can expect them to be with how they've done in previous seasons. Yeah, it's a huge carrot. I mean, I think when the when the changes were announced for the Champions League, I think we were both sceptical about how that, that will benefit Scottish football in the long run. Um, but at the moment... City are, are more than in with it, within a shout. Instead of 
listening to this job or speak about the game. I spoke to um, head, interim head coach Grant Scott and midfielder and me Farrelly um, just to kind of get a bit of a preview uh, on the game ahead. And uh, yeah, it's a nice wee 10 minute piece. So have a listen to this and we'll be right back. I, I think it's probably a tie that both Glasgow City and Zavetta both looked at and probably gone, could it have been easier? Could it have been more difficult? It feels like it's a, it's a really well matched tie this one. What's, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, probably similar, Chris. I think, um, you know, I looked at the draw and I thought uh, in terms of football, um, we possibly could have drawn an easier team to play. But the byproduct of that might have been a more difficult um, journey to get there. Um, so, uh, you know, we've got a couple hours flight to make tomorrow. Um, so it's a, it's a relatively straightforward journey for us. Um but yeah, this is a well-capable side, well-organised, well-drilled, as I said previously, technically very good. Um, so, you know, we'll have to be on, on top of our, ourselves again um, to, to match that and then ultimately try and overcome them. So I, I think, uh, as you say, I think probably you seem to play a similar system to us. Um, probably quite an evenly matched, technically pair of sides and I think it'll be small margins or across the two the two legs if I'm honest um, yeah and, and we'll just be focusing hopefully to make the breaks that we can yeah, you mentioned the two games that they played in the group stage as well. They uh, beat Glen Torren 1-0 an early goal and then it was a set-piece goal against Allen United that brought them down. But it, from the, from the I kind of watched it double speed. I didn't, I didn't sit down all the way through it like you did. <laughs> but um, from, from those two games, they certainly seem to have a lot of possession. But you're right in terms of they didn't break teams down. Is it fact that they, those narrow wins, do, do you take something from that? You mentioned you feel like they maybe haven't been tested. Does it feel, feel like maybe they've got something else in the chamber? Interest, uh, you never know. You're watching videos um, and, and everything's a little bit distorted. You know, you've got, uh, you're not seeing it live. You can watch it slow speed, fast speed, anything you want. You, you probably don't get the same context as you do watching them live. So it's, um, I, it, it's tricky to be absolute on it, but we are conscious that that's a couple of one nils and in my opinion, games probably that they weren't challenged so much. So I, I question how many goals they've got in them. Um, you know, and that's not at all being disrespectful. They didn't obviously score from open play um, in that second match either. You know, and against a pretty decent all-inside um, who, who did have a couple of moments early in the game against them. So, um, you know, they've got a bit of pace and power. Um, as I said, technically really good. Um, they'll, they'll be strong and physical at set pieces. Um, so, so there's bits and pieces we need to be very aware of. But I think, you know, defensively, we've looked pretty good last few weeks, um, particularly in the um, Shim Kent game. I thought we knew their threats. We worked, you know, we, we gave the girls plenty of information. Um, and they really could only break us down with the, the, the quick ball over the top for their, their, their fast forward there. So um, we, we're going to face slightly different threats, I think, in Servette, um, much more measured in their build-up. Um, they've got a, a couple of players with a little bit of pace, but nothing like what we've just faced. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure they've got a lot of different changes to make. They've, they've played their last three games with, I think, a nine out of the ten outfield players starting um, the match they've made one change each game so it looks a fairly settled side fairly consistent side so I can't see them throwing a dynamic at us that we, we hopefully haven't prepared for but you know you never know um, they, they might have something they might have been holding back a star player um, who knows um, we'll just have to see what happens yeah, major home back star players. You've you've obviously been uh, had the opportunity to rotate your squad a little bit as well, Grant, in the SWPL Cup. But some of the new players have obviously had their impact. No Tyler Dodds, for example, got our, our first goal away yesterday. Um, you mentioned Haley was sitting as well. Is the fact that you've got options available to you? Is that is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Or is it is it just something that you kind of set up at late at night and you go, who am I going to fit in tomorrow? Hours and hours and hours. Yes. Um, do you know what? It's a double edged sword. I mean, we. We've set up uh, the last season um, in a similar fashion to have enough players almost to cover almost to cover two players for every position, um, and, and there's players obviously that can play multiple positions. Um, it, it, it affects you, yeah, when you have to leave players out, and you know that probably 
they can all make a case to start and and indeed myself and my coaches when we when we are talking through the starting lineups you know we have difference of opinion we have different arguments for and against certain individuals certain ways of doing it um so it does give you a little bit of um yeah a, a bit of thought time required um on it most matches now because um as i say every one of those 22 players could actually start the game and have a perfectly reasonably structured argument as to why we've had to go with them. But um, going back to what, what the evolution of that size of squad was really to, to to make sure that we've got enough players to manage, you know, now probably something like 40 games in the season. Um, you know, you get a couple injuries and there's still COVID flying around, you know, we're, we've not been too bad with that recently, but, you know, there's been one or two through the summer that have they've had that. Um, and, and if you get two or three of them, it's a different ball game and you're down to a squad of 15. So, um, yeah, we have to rotate. Um, the, the, the difficult part of that sometimes is that, you know, when we're heading into the big games, that we need to make sure that all of the 22 are ready to play. Um, so rotating the squad um, game to game at the moment is how we've tried to manage that. Everyone's doing the same work during the week. Um, but if you have 11 players who've played at the weekend and 11 who haven't, that 11 need a chance to get themselves to full fitness, uh, match fitness. So, yeah, it's um, it's headache central, but it's a great a great quality to have, um, you know, all these players that, as I say, any moment, any one of them could actually say, yeah, I probably should have started that game. And as I say, us as coaches are the same. We, we, we kind of talk around it sometimes, but... Um, yeah, that, that, it's, a, it's a good problem. Um, I, it's horrible leaving players out, you know, because you're working so closely with everyone. Um, and that, that becomes a challenge in itself and managing that. But um, yeah, we've got a great group. Um, and, and fortunately enough, we're always in it together. So that, that's really big for us just now. Um, and I think it's important for us going forward. Neve, you got a wee rest yesterday um, in terms of not, not having to take the part. What's it like for you as a player to be involved in that kind of squad rotation system, especially at this time of the season where everything's just kind of starting to, to click into gear? Um, yeah, I think it's it's a good thing because um, if you look at the start of the season and you look at all the fixtures that we have and if if we do get through um, this next two legs, we have even more games coming up midweek and uh, for any athlete, I suppose, it's... Uh, it's nearly impossible to to play every single minute. Um, and I feel like we'd all be just ran to the ground and stuff like that. So it's good and it's good to have a good balance, but also for um, when we're training and stuff to have competition, um, if we have a small squad and obviously there's only maybe one one player per, per position or just a few extra on the bench, um, you're not really tested as much. Whereas in when you have a big squad, there's, there's so much competition and it keeps everyone on their toes. And um so I think it's uh, it's healthy, um, and I think it'll only help us going forward. As a as a player, what what's it like to be involved in a game with this kind of stakes, where the this first ever edition of the Champions League with these group stages, with these huge clubs who have now got some of the biggest stars in the world involved, in the chance that you could be in amongst that? Like how how does that feel knowing that you've got a couple of games where that that could change? It could change the whole profile not only of the club but also maybe yourself as well. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've tried not to think about it and um, just to kind of focus on the game because you can think about all the mad players who we're going to come up against if you if we do make it to the group stages. But um, yeah, no, it's huge and it's it's big for the club. Obviously, um, it's a great club and they've done so well in this competition before and um, with the new format and stuff and, and getting to play uh, even more games in the Champions League this year. If we get through, it will be huge. Um, Individually, obviously, yeah, it's 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 what you've dreamed of to play on the biggest stage. Um, but obviously, we just have to keep ourselves grounded, and uh, we haven't got anywhere yet. So we need to um, keep our heads down um, and hopefully get through this uh, these two legs. How's how's the preparations for you as a player as well? Because with the Champions League, I think you've played pretty much all over the week at the moment. You played at ten a.m. on a Wednesday morning. You played on the Saturday night. You're going to be, I think, Wednesday afternoon and Wednesday evening for these games. Is it? Does it come naturally to you to kind of be able to shift like that or use a player routine in that respect? Um, I think it's 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 okay. Um, obviously, the last day uh, in the Champions League, we had a 10am. That was probably the most difficult. Um, 
because it's very early just for any game really. Um, but all the other other games, um, obviously a lot of the girls have played maybe international games at different times and stuff like that. Um, but even in the league here, it's not just always structurally 4 p.m. Um, so things change. So yeah, it's it's not that bad. Um, obviously you'll have your routine beforehand where there'll be like an hour or two and what you're eating and stuff like that. It all stays the same. So the kickoff, it doesn't really matter um, to be honest. Um, I don't think it really affects us. Uh, last last question. I've uh, I've been uh, obviously with all the investments going into the Champions League. It's got a new theme tune. I quite like the new theme tune for the Champions League. What's what's your take on it? As somebody who stood lined up and listened to the old one and the new one, what's what's your preference? Uh, I actually didn't know there was a new uh, theme tune, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that just explains it. <laughs> I like the old one though, but I don't know. I've never heard the new one, but I'll listen to it for you if you want. Uh, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll ask you that next time I see you. Again. That's no <laughs> Thank you. Thanks very much, both. No problem. Yeah, I mean, Campbell, but before we kind of talk about the game a little bit more, I I want to talk about the Champions League anthem. I was surprised that Eve hadn't hadn't heard it. It didn't quite compute in my head, but she's going to she's going to listen out for it now. That's that's important, but. Uh, we were talking about it just before recording. This is a bit of side nonsense, but do you know what? It's the first podcast for a while, so we'll have a bit of side nonsense. And we were talking about whether we like the new Champions League uh, theme tune for the Women's Champions League. And I think I think we've come to the conclusion that we like it, but it feels like it could give give even more uh, uh, more. There's more to come with it, and it's not quite not quite there yet. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, it's kind of. It's better than what it was. Well, in saying that, no, it's not. I like the old one. The old one, the old one was good. I did like the old one as well. I was a little bit disappointed yeah. when they had, they had they were changing it. The old one was good, and now this one just seemed almost to be kind of too dragged out, as if they've tried to make too much of a too much of an effort into it. Um, the Europa League one is the best one, so that's never going to change my mind. But it's something different, and it's good to see that there's now one. That's specifically being made for the Women's Champions League, and it shows that it's regarded now at the same level as the men's one, and obviously with the different changes to it as well. So it's, it's an exciting season if Glasgow City can get into it. I'm sure we'll hear that tune played more and more, and hopefully at Peters Hill, not Broadwood as well, just because I prefer Peters Hill. <laughs> yeah, no, I think uh, yeah, a European night at, at, at Broadwood. I, I couldn't, I couldn't get to the 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 second game against uh, Shimkent just as I was away up. Uh, on a hill, but um, yeah, I think I think uh, there is something about Peter's Hill Park on a Champions League night. It'd be great if, if that could be facilitated. I know there'll be there'll be reasons around it in terms of the current protocols in, in place and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, it's got a good crescendo on it. I like the see when the, the the players come out. There's a good crescendo on it. However, the crescendo needs to go on longer and it needs to be boomed up a bit boomed there we go that, that might be the name of the podcast <laughs> but um, yeah uh, there's a video as well that UEFA put out explaining how they came up with it and uh, it's a female composer and all that stuff but yeah Champions League theme June aside though what we've talked about a lot about here from Grant, Grant and Eve as well um, the game is both games will be live on BBC Alba the first leg is away in Switzerland on Wednesday with a 6.15 kickoff. so you can get that in before you watch the Scotland-Denmark game later on that evening Um What's what's your instinct on it? It's, it's hard because you don't get to see a lot of teams from these other leagues. Um, the the Severe Island United games are up on, on YouTube and you can watch them, but they weren't, I think as a, a Grant suggested when I, when I was chatting to him about it, they weren't particularly entertaining games of football. Um, so they were a bit, of a, a bit of a drag to watch, I'm not going to lie, but I did get through them. Um, it's... I, for me, it feels like a bit of a coin flip. I mean, in terms of like yardsticks for them, Servette signed Dana Burma, who's one of the players released by Rangers, obviously, at the end of last season. And Dana was kind of a fringe player at Rangers, I think it's fair to say. I mean, I'm I'm here to watch uh, Dana Burma banter our way through a second leg of the Champions League. But um, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, a draw that Glasgow City have a, a chance to get through. In, and I think that's kind of what you want at this stage. It is. You're not really caring. You know what a glamorous tie, not what anything that's gonna. You can wait and get through into group stages and other and other stages of the tournament to get these ties. At the minute, it's just you just want to get there. And um, it's, it's a tie that gives them the chance of doing that. As I've said, obviously again, we've mentioned the home leg being at home, uh, being the second leg. Sorry, it's going to make a big difference to them as well. I feel I always think that you going away to games, you always think that we can make sure we're still in this game, coming at home back to home, we're, we're the favourites for it. So 
So I'll be happy with it, as you've said, and it'll be good for the rest of us to see the about my back again, who was always one of these players you enjoyed watching because you knew she was just there to wind folk up, even if she was playing well or not. So I'm looking forward to it, um, and hopefully City can, can get through again and get back to the stages we say they have been at. Obviously, they were getting to sort of the last 16 quarterfinals and things previously. So if they can get back there again, it'll be a job well done, especially given all the turnover that's happened at them um, in this summer. I think it'll be a bit more than job well done. I think it'll be a, a mad achievement. Um, and then who the, who they who they might end up getting in the group stages. I mean that that'll be an interesting story all on its own. But we'll we'll touch that if that, that comes around. But yeah, first leg Wednesday night, quarter past six kickoff. Second leg is ten past three on a Wednesday afternoon. Not not great. I mean, no. I think I think I've had this moan before, but having just seen that it's happened in the men's game now, I'm looking forward to watching the the crying about it after it being a recurring issue in women's football for. A couple of years now uh, in terms of kickoff times, but um, yeah, uh, yeah, best of luck to Glasgow City. Um, I think that wraps up this podcast just for now. We've actually probably gone a little bit longer than I thought we were going to go, Campbell. I thought it was going to be a nice snappy one, but there we go. We droned on as usual. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for listening, Campbell. Thank you. Oh, one other thing actually before we wrap up and I say goodbye, um, just a wee shout out to Fiona Brown. Obviously, got uh, some bad news again about an injury that with her knee that. Um, yeah, it was just a, it wasn't a, it wasn't a fun tweet to, to be done on Sunday afternoon. So best wishes to her, all the best in her recovery. Hope she's back soon uh, in that respect as well. But yeah, the, I think that wraps up for Campbell. So Campbell, thank you very much, my friend. It's good doing a podcast again after after a wee while. Uh, it has been quite a while, hasn't it? So uh, no, it's good to be back again. And even if it does mean listening to that stupid noise before you start recording your Zoom meetings, <laughs> it's all yeah. good. Yeah, um, and what, the, this is the first time that me and Campbell got together for a, a couple of months, but I did do an interview with Aileen, Ca- Aileen Campbell. I forgot her name for a second there. <laughs> um, Aileen Campbell, the new CEO of Scottish Women's Football. So, uh, yeah, go have a listen to that as well. And we will be back later in the week with a full preview ahead of the SWPL league season starting, um, which will be really exciting. But for now, thanks very much for listening. Stay safe, and we will speak again soon. <laughs>